We are in 1 Corinthians and in chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 25. But before we read these verses, it's, it's very important to remember that we, we read it in the light of the, the previous chapter. And, as, Paul, and as, as Rob actually so helpfully reminded us that chapter 13 was never written to be read at weddings, but actually to remind the Corinthian believers that love is the most important thing when we gather together. And actually to use gifts, to use the gifts of the Spirit without love, well, it's, it's nothing. So Paul says in verse 2 of chapter 13. So it's into this context um, that Paul writes chapter 14. And so Paul begins, this is verse 1, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. It says, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special gifts the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be, you will be talking... If you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge of, or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like flutes or a harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. Even the, bu the, try it again, the bugler doesn't sound, if we, and if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know that they're being called to battle? In this, it's, same, it's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in this world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities of the sp that the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should also pray for the ability to interpret what is being said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you pray, if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? 
How can they join you in giving thanks when, you don't, when, they, when they don't understand what you're saying? You will, be given, you will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes, when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the scriptures, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear someone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Now, it's quite a long reading. I hope you've got most of that. And we, we are dealing here with a church, the church in Corinth, that had some major imbalances in their worship. And, and so Paul, as he spoke to the Corinthians, he was rebuking them for their pride and for their self-conceit because they were managing their gifts like no other church was doing at that particular time. There was no control. There's no order. There is no regulation. It really was just a free-for-all. Now, we're going to come back to more of that maybe next week. For the Corinthian Christians, speaking in an unknown language was the most important gift of all the other spiritual gifts. So they, they enjoyed nothing better than to be heard and to be seen speaking in tongues, probably because it was expressive and it, it gratified their pride, but, but Paul was actually scathing towards them. So much so at the end of this chapter, he basically asked them, who do you think you are? Like such arrogance that seemed to be coming from them. So it's not surprising as Paul begins in chapter 14 in verse 1, he starts with a very strong correction to them. And I'm hoping that by now you've worked out from this little mini-series that we're doing in 1 Corinthians, hopefully that you've realized that there are two principles that need to be in place when we approach this whole subject of spiritual gifts. The first is this, the foundation the basis for everything that we do must be love. Secondly, all the way through this chapter, Paul is very clear about the purpose and the points of gifts. And we read it repeatedly in verse 4, in verse 5, in verse 17. The gifts must and should strengthen 
the church. This is what Paul encourages again in verse 12 when he talks about using gifts that build up the church. And, and Paul exhorts the church to pray for, to look for, to use gifts that will help others, other believers. Spiritual gifts are for the strengthening and for the building up of the church. So listen, if we choose to dismiss them as either not for today or we just want to avoid them, not only are you unbiblical, but actually you're missing out on God's strengthening and God's blessing through one another. However, you will notice that Paul's focus is in here on two very specific gifts, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues, speaking in an unknown language. And I think the reason for this, well, is maybe obvious, but these gifts are probably have caused the most controversy and probably the most debate and arguments over the years and actually are probably maybe one of the most missed or the two most misused gifts of the spiritual gifts. But before I get into some more detail, let me just briefly recap. When the Holy Spirit baptizes or fills your life, he will impact you in a number of ways. The first, you will experience the love of God. Now, I know we've already said this, and, and uh, both Rob and Dave have already dealt with a lot of this, but listen, we cannot overemphasize this enough. There is always an impartation of God's love into your life as you encounter the Holy Spirit. The Spirit always points you towards Jesus and assures you of his great love for you. And, and from that, there will be an outworking of that among one another. Secondly, there will be a response when the Holy Spirit comes that will change not just your emotions, but will also change your heart. Now, I've seen as God has touched people, I've seen people be just very still, very quiet as God's peace just rests upon them. Others I've seen cry, laugh, sing, even shout. There are others there's been a physical reaction where bodies have shaken or even fallen to the ground in the presence of God. But listen, there is always a deep sense of joy as you marvel at your salvation. So the outward manifestations may vary from person to person, but in many ways they are actually incidental because we're not seeking after experience, no matter how dramatic they may be, we are seeking after the presence of Father God. A true encounter with the Holy Spirit will change not just your emotions, He will change your heart. And that is the real test. Thirdly, you will receive gifts and you will grow in the fruits of the Spirit. Now, there are a number of gifts that the, of the Spirit mentioned in the New Testament. We've, we've talked a little bit about some of them. The main passage are 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, which we talked about a few weeks back. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 13. And Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through to 8. And they mention the gifts of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, of healings, of miracles, of prophecy, of discernment, of tongues, of interpretation of tongues, of administration, of help, of hospitality. But then also we read about the fruits of the Spirit, or the, rather the fruit, singular, of the Spirit in Galatians chapter, four verse, chapter 5, verses 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to note something here. There is one big difference between the gift, the gifts of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit proves your spirituality. Gifts do not. They are given. You just receive them. They are a gift from God. You've done nothing to deserve any of them. And by the way that we demonstrate how closely that we walk with the Spirit is not through the exercising of spiritual gifts. It is through the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, actually, it's very possible to move in the gifts of the Spirit and at the same time be living a completely sinful, unacceptable life before God. You need to be manifesting the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit in equal measure and also with equal importance within your life. Now, the gift that causes the most debate, and the one that Paul mentions here, is the gift of tongues. It's perhaps the only gift of the Spirit that requires you to humble yourself. Many people find it very challenging to their pride. You know, there's a, it, there's, you can certainly get a lot of strange looks when you maybe speak out in this unknown language. It requires a certain amount of courage to do that publicly. But for others, and the Corinthians are a really good example of this, the reverse is also true. It actually can become a source of pride. Now, you might never want to say these words out loud, but you may think them, look at me. Look how great I am. I can speak in this unknown tongue. I must be, I must be amazing. And listen, both of those attitudes are wrong. Although praying in tongues is not the pinnacle of a Christian's walk with God, it also should never, ever be ignored either. It is one of many other gifts of the Spirit. And Paul says we should be desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what is the gift of tongues? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it's described as a human or angelic language. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, it's described as a prayer language. For anyone who speaks in tongue, in a tongue, Paul says, does not speak to people, but to God. Now, this is important to understand, particularly when it comes to the interpretation of a tongue. This unknown language can be described as a, a prayer language. It, it expresses our adoration of God in, in very simple ter in terms. Prophecy is when God speaks to us, whereas a tongue is when we speak to God. Therefore, an interpretation of a tongue will be the outpouring of our heart in worship, in adoration towards the Father in heaven, not the other way around. So when a tongue is spoken out in a larger gathering, we expect there to be an interpretation of it. And it's important that, that every one of us moves in the gifts that God has given us. If he has given you the gift of tongues and you feel something stirring within you when we're gathering together on a Sunday morning, something like this, or maybe in a prayer meeting or even in a smaller group setting, be courageous, be prepared to speak out your tongue. 
Can I suggest that maybe you come to me or maybe one of the other leaders first just to make sure maybe the timing's right, just to, it's always good to have accountability in these things. But once that tongue has been given, we then wait for the interpretation to come. And one will come. When God gives someone the gift of a tongue, he will also give someone the gift to interpret that tongue. Why? So that everyone understands what's going on. As an aside, can I just say that, that very often when, when there's some speaking in tongues, it very often unlocks the prophetic. Some people can bring a prophecy rather than the interpretation of that. And we want to just weigh that up. And there's a really easy way to know which is which. A tongue is us speaking to God. Very often this act of worship, this just praise of our Father in heaven. Whereas a prophecy is the other way around. God is speaking to us. So if someone comes, and that's why it's good to come and just to weigh these things together, and you come with a, a prophecy, we'll hold on to that. It'll still be valid, it'll be important, but we'll want to hear the interpretation first of all. However, the gift of tongues can also be used by individuals as well. This is verse 4. And this gift can really help to build up a person as part of their private worship of God. You see, what it does, it transcends the language barrier. When you don't have the words to say, you can pray in the Spirit to, pray, to express the very deepest desires of your heart. In fact, it can be very helpful in praise and worship and in praying for yourself and for others. And it's, it's, it's wonderful, actually, a really wonderful, useful way to pray that actually honors God. Because praying in the Spirit is praying in the will of God, and there is no higher way in which we can pray. And praying in the Spirit guarantees that you're praying according to God's purpose. Now remember, you can't improve on God's plan for your life. He really does know what's best for you. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But listen, there is a big if at the beginning of that statement. How can we be sure that we are praying according to the will of God, which is what we are commanded to do? In order to be heard by God, you must pray according to his will. And I want to suggest that there are two ways in which you can do this. The first is to pray scripture. Pray biblical prayers. Secondly, if God has given you the gift of tongues, pray in the Spirit. But to do this effectively, you need to make sure that you are not grieving the Holy Spirit, which means praying without bitterness or without unrepentant sin in your life, but also manifesting the fruits of the Spirit within your life that we mentioned a little bit earlier on. Listen, the fruits of the Spirit will flow to the degree to which you are not grieving the Holy Spirit by bitterness or anger or unforgiveness. Listen, the closer your intimacy to the Spirit, the more powerful our prayers will be. And the gift of tongues can be very helpful in this area. Let me make 
one important point before I move on to talk about prophecy. Not every believer gets the gift of tongues. Listen, God gives as he chooses in his time. But we are told to ask and to seek and to desire. Listen, if you want this gift, you ask your heavenly father. But understand that God gives as he chooses. But hear this loud and clear. There are no second-class Christians in the kingdom of God. God works according to his sovereign will. You know, there is a, a tendency, a natural tendency among Christians to look at the way in which God works and then try to find some sort of magical formula from it. And the logic goes something like this. If we do certain things in a certain way and we say the right words, then we can, we can get God to work and, and, he will, and he will do what we want him to do. But God does, cannot be manipulated. He is not boxed in in any way. He alone is sovereign and he cannot be contained. And he will fulfill his purposes in his way, not in ours. In reading this chapter, some people have concluded that Paul wants us to avoid the gift of tongues. That is simply not true. In fact, he makes the point very clearly when he says, I thank God that, that, that he spoke in tongues more than any of the rest of them did. And, and Paul is not critical of them because of jealousy or because of envy. He, he wasn't getting at them because they spoke in tongues and he didn't. However, what he does say is that they'd rather speak five words that are understandable than 10,000 words that no one can understand. To prefer noisy showmanship rather than worth and substance is childish. A Christian should be harmless as children and free from all malice, but this does not mean that we should not be wise or knowledgeable. There should be a real clear sign of maturity. And for this reason, he encourages the Corinthian church to desire and to seek after the gift of prophecy. However, just like the gift of tongues, much ink has been spilled about what prophecy actually is. And it's at its very simplest, prophecy is a spirit-led utterance of biblical truth. It's God speaking to us. Now, this incorporates preaching, Christ-centered gospel conversations, as well as directional words and revelation from God into an individual's life or even into the future. Foundational to prophecy is the fact that the Bible is still the key way that the Spirit will lead us today. Listen, we stand on the authority of Scripture, and we do not move off that. God's Word is unchanging, so prophecy today will never add to the Word of God, and it will never contradict what the Scripture teaches. The gift of prophecy gives direction, it builds up, it encourages, it comforts believers and the church, and when prophecy speaks into future events or, into spe or specifically into someone else's life, it needs to be handled with discernment and with wisdom. The big advantage of prophecy 
in contrast to the gift of tongues is that prophecy can just be easily understood. Whereas tongues are unintelligible unless they're interpreted, everyone who everyone can understand when a prophecy is given. But both need to be handled carefully and with real discernment. I heard a story of a woman who went to a prophecy meeting in a church in Northern Ireland. A well-known prophet had come along, and on the way to that meeting, it had been raining, and she was walking along, and a car drove through a really deep puddle and absolutely soaked her from head to toe. Fortunately, she had called into the dry cleaners and picked up her daughter's dress. She carried on to church, changed in the toilets, and the dress was slightly too short for her. Her hair was, well, a bit bedraggled looking, but she was keen not to miss the start of the meeting. After the man had spoken, he began to pick out people in the congregation and prophesied over them. He picked out this Christian woman and he said, God will release you from your evil way of prostitution. It was sad enough that this woman or this man had not heard from God, but he had just badly misread the situation. And even worse was the fact that the people in that church, at least some of them thought, you know what? There's no smoke without fire. Even her husband had doubts. Years later, another prophet came into that same church. To this woman's credit, she was still worshiping God there. As he began to speak, God spoke to him and said, I have a word for that woman. You could have heard a pin drop. The word he got was, he should never have said that. At this, the woman broke down. He carried on and he prophesied powerfully over her life. Listen, how careful we must be when we prophesy. We must speak only God's word, not what our eyes tell us or what even our minds are thinking. Perhaps Paul had heard of situations like this, and that's why he laid down some guidelines, some safeguards in the second half of this chapter. We're going to come back to them again, hopefully next week. But listen, just because someone gets it wrong, and if people do get this wrong, both in prophesying and sometimes in speaking in tongues as well, we must not think that we're just going to avoid these gifts. That's not Paul's point here. Paul's point is that we do it well, we do it biblically, and we do it right, and we build up the church. Perhaps one of Paul's best arguments to support the need for prophecy is this. This gift is effective in reaching those who do not believe in Jesus. And Paul's argument goes something like this. When people come into a church who don't understand the gospel or don't believe in Jesus yet, if they come into a place where people are speaking unintelligibly, like that, is that the word? <laughs> and that can, of course, can apply to an unknown language or as well as even just confusing talk or actually just unhelpful Christian lingo they won't be able to understand what is going on, and they will leave, they will continue on in a life that rejects God. But when a non-believer hears a word from God in a way that, that they understand, i.e. prophecy, which can include preaching, prophetic declarations of truth, as well as a direct revelation from God into a specific person's situation, they are offered the beautiful gift of salvation. 
When God's voice is heard clearly, lives are changed. This is the powerful gift of the Holy Spirit, which must be used wisely and with accountability, but ultimately to bring glory to our Father in heaven. A Christ-centered church should be a place where the Holy Spirit is working and moving. I believe that God will speak through everyone filled with the Spirit who obediently listens to him. You and I are his representatives. Now, of course, we are all given different gifts. God has blessed us in many different ways. But, when, but what I've seen so many times is that God uses the most unlikely of people. Often those maybe seem uneducated. Those sometimes we as we often can even rule out ourselves. And listen, God can use you powerfully as well. No one is excluded from these gifts or from using them for God's glory. So can I say, especially for those that feel inadequate, when you rely on him completely, God will use you for the building up of his people. I say, we're going to come back to some of these thoughts and we pull things together next week. But just a, just a couple of questions as we, as we pull things to a close. How are you using your gifts or gifts to build up this church? I want to encourage you to find a way to do that. When you talk to someone about that, speak to some of your small groups. Maybe, maybe this week in small group, we can perhaps expand some of this stuff and I just have a look at what, how God has, has gifted us and we can just prayerfully seek how we can build one another up and encourage one another in these things. Can I encourage you to seek after the gifts of the Spirit. Use them to honor God and to build up his church. And listen, these used well bring glory to our Father in heaven, but also bring real blessing to each and every one of us as the body. So whether that be on a Sunday morning, whether it be in a small group setting, whether it be sometimes just one-to-one, let's seek after the gifts that God has given us. Let's stand together. I would pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word. Lord, for the correction it brings, but also for the direction it brings. Lord, we, Lord, we as a church, Lord God, we want to be faithful to the teaching of your word. We want to be faithful to your voice and your voice alone. We want to be faithful, Lord, to your spirit. And so, Lord, for the stuff that's been shared this morning here, Lord, actually, Lord, if anything is not from you, Lord, may it just fall to the ground, may it go. But, Lord, where your word has spoken into people's lives, Father, we ask, may it bring the change that is needed, both in my life and in my friends here as well. And Father, may we, as your people, 
as we move in spiritual gifts, may we build up one another, may we build this church up, and Lord God, may it explode and expand into our community for the glory and for the honor of your most wonderful name. Amen. Amen.